It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. My name is Tom Scarda. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. I'm excited today because I have a special guest who is a franchise owner. So today you're going to get to hear right from kind of the perspective of someone who has My done it, someone who has made the decision to choose uncertainty instead of unhappiness for her family, a female entrepreneur in franchising. And I am just proud, excited, and happy to have Nora Farhat with us. Nora, welcome to the Franchise Academy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan and so excited to be here today. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so you're you're based in Detroit, right? Yep. So um, so quick background. You are the owner of three franchises at the moment, three separate uh, distinct franchise operations. One is British Swim Schools. Also, you own Pool Scouts, and then you own Mathnasium. Yep, that's correct. And so how did you get started? I mean, have you been in franchising all your life or did you, did you have a corporate life before this? Uh, I wish I could say I knew enough about franchising years ago because I'm sure I would have started a lot sooner. I, like most people, started out my career in a very you know corporate world. I was like, I can see myself growing in the corporate environment. I started, when you're from Detroit, you usually start in automotive. So I started off in automotive. And then after years of automotive, I ended up getting an opportunity to move to Abu Dhabi and the Dubai area to work in healthcare. And being that it was exciting and new, and I just thought, what a wonderful opportunity. I got a chance to go out there for a few years, and I worked for eight years. So I ended up staying even longer than I thought I would stay. Uh, you know, with good opportunities, it continued to develop. And I remember having a moment where I thought I had just started to have young kids and I, honestly, I had a great career. I can see, you know, where it was going and I was comfortable in it. I felt like I worked really hard. But I think also there was a part of me that always wanted to be a business owner. Um, it was, I always say I was just born the way I was when I was little, if I knew or if I had an avenue. I think nowadays people have so many more resources um, than maybe I did because I remember thinking if somebody would have told me how to do it, I would have absolutely done it. Mm -hmm. And I think it was always one of those things that I didn't want to regret not taking that risk or that jump because, you know, I was, I was hesitant, but then I thought, you know what, I'm looking to move back to the U.S. I could either go and find another corporate job. I already knew which way I could go, or I think this is probably the only time that I'll just be able to kind of blindly go into business for myself. And that kind of actually started me off in this journey that has become a multi-brand owner. <laughs> yeah. All um, just kind of, it was, hey, I'm moving back. And I said, worst comes to worst, I go back and I get a job. So that was kind of the game plan when I took that jump myself. So what was the impetus to say, there, there had to be a certain time or point where you're like, no corporate for me anymore. I want to control my own destiny with a business. What did that look like for you? You know, that looked like years of hard work, years of running teams and departments. I knew what my skill sets were, 
But then I also felt like I was constantly, um, I'm not going to say trapped, but you can only go so far when you're working for somebody else. And it always felt a bit limiting. It always felt like, you know what? I don't want to work for the hospital. I want to own the hospital. I don't want to just be a vice president that reports to somebody that reports to somebody else. It always was a desire of, I know what I bring to the table. And honestly, maybe even being a little older when I did it, I had so much confidence. I knew what I brought to the table. I watched myself grow. I know what experience it took. Now, granted, I also learned that my skills followed me regardless of what industry I was in. I think that's something I wish people would teach um, in school is that you take what you do really well and you mold that into your job. It's not about a specific industry. It's just about taking what you do really well and then figuring out how that works. And actually, that's exactly how I got into franchising is I'm not a creative. I don't have a passion project. You know, I, I wish I did. I wish I knew how to make something. and then I, I would go out and sell my own product, but I didn't have that. I knew that I had a strong operations background and a hustle and grit and roll up my sleeves kind of attitude. And that's when I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out and find brands that I absolutely love and brands that I would sign up for, or I would register or use their services or products. And that's kind of how my journey started. It was figuring out what... I already thought was out there that seemed to work really well. And then how do I incorporate that? So what was the first thing that you uh, invested in? British swim school. And in full transparency, I had young kids that needed swim lessons. And it did not matter where I was kind of looking. I wasn't finding what I was looking for. To me, swimming is a life skill. I thought every child needs to know this. And when I ran into the British swim school program, I thought, this is an excellent program, but that's not what would make me sign up for a business. Then of course, there's the due diligence in the background, looking at the financials, you could scale it, you could grow it. Um, you know, I know a lot of people when they get into franchising, they quickly are over inundated with how many territories do you want? Well, my answer is always the same one, <laughs> because I think all good businesses continue. You, you'll always be willing to invest in a good business. Right. So in mind, I was like, I'm going to start this and I can already see where I could grow it, but then I can also see where it's manageable and where I could really just kind of roll up my sleeves and work with it. So it was British swim school. Okay. And so, so you did your due diligence and you decided on one territory, which is great. And that's my advice to my clients as I help them through the same um, due diligence process. And then do you have like an elevator speech just to explain to the listeners what British Swim School is? Yes. So British Swim School is a water survival. It focuses on water survival. We teach as early as three months. We go all the way to adult swimming. Whenever kids are over three years old, we focus on skill, not age. Meaning you can come in, you can be 10 years old or 65 years old. You're a beginner. You're going to start there. Once you master the skills, you move up to the next level. So it's all skill-based. It also focuses on what we call water survival skills, meaning the skills that every child or every person should master, teaching you how to float on your back, how to be comfortable and confident. It is 100% the types of skills that I recognize as a parent, I would want my kids to master. Whether or not you want your kids to become a professional swimmer, right? it didn't matter. It was, and even when I explain it to parents now, I'm like, these are the levels every parent needs to you know, make sure their kid knows. This is what I call recreational swimming past this point. I love the transparency of that because I recognize the need is different and everybody is so 
unique in what they're looking for. And I thought the model allowed it. Also, British Swim School model allows you to go and rent facilities, or you could do what we've done where we've built out a facility. But in the beginning, I didn't have that kind of money. I wasn't going to put that kind of money on, you know, um, on something I wasn't sure of. And I didn't know. So they were like, here's a model. You can go and rent a pool. And I was like, oh, so it offers that alternative. And that was really attractive to me. I think everybody needs to recognize where their lines are. There's no right and wrong. I always said you can go in any business and be successful or not successful. It's, it's kind of also knowing your parameters, like how much money do, am I willing to spend on this? How much, you know, do I have contingency plans? All those things do matter. Yeah. Well said. What was your second franchise? My second franchise was Mathnasium. Mathnasium is a math learning center. It's not a tutoring center, which I'm very clear to point out, but it really helps develop whether you're falling behind in math, it customizes a learning plan. And this is from K, usually first grade till 12th grade, just to give people a range of the kind of program it is. And it helps build either fill your gaps or it keeps you advanced in math. So it keeps progressing you. I was actually driving my kids to a mathnasium that's about 30 minutes from my home. And my kids were doing phenomenal. They, the program was really strong. And in full transparency, the reason my kids would go to a math learning center is because I lacked <laughs> in my own math skills. So, you know, I was like, you know, we're not going to shortchange them. I'm going to have these girls are going to know their math. So we were driving. And then I thought, I, this needs to be available in my community. I know my community and I think this would do so well. And that's actually what kind of pushed us to open a mathnasium locally in our community. It was a program that I had seen, I had experienced. And having the advantage of talking to other parents, I kind of already understand the market, not just from myself, but also from talking to parents. Um, and I thought, you know what? This is the next great second venture for me. It just, it all aligned. It was a service that I loved and a product that I would use. So then you could also cross market, right? If, if your parents in Mathnasium could say, hey, if your kids need to learn how to swim, we got this other thing over here, right? Can you do that? Yeah, you absolutely can. And there's no question if you walked into my British swim school, you're probably walking out with a mathnasium flyer or vice versa. Um, You know, but they really ultimately are two different businesses that have to support themselves. You know, Um, at that time, even when we had signed with mathnasium, then the pandemic hit a few months later, you could say great timing or you can say horrible timing. At that moment, I wasn't sure. But it's definitely panned out and each business has to support itself. They, though they're, to me, it's all the same. The reality is I run them as two completely, even each one of my pool locations, it's its own entity. It has to make money. It has to account for its own expenses. Like everything is seen very individual, even though I am able to share some of that top line resources. Mm-hmm. You know, like some of that marketing that we're able to cross over a little bit on and things like that. Yeah, that's oh man, brilliant. I have a math joke. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> My math joke is this. I believe in this world, there are three types of people. Those who know math and those who don't know math. <laughs> boom, boom. There's no God. third. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought I was doing something. You know, uh, the reality is, you know, like swimming, we know the importance of swimming. So for me as an industry, I'm like, this is not going away. This is a, a real skill set. It, it's proof, right? I mean, Absolutely. 
Yeah. And that's what people... Oh, so sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and the expense is not high. I mean, relatively speaking, when you look across franchising, people think you need a million dollars to start a franchise. Mm -hmm. But in in all these concepts that, that you're in, it's way less, like maybe a tenth less, uh, you know. So um, that's something that people, and, and probably that attracted you as well. Would you say that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially initially. Now, what British Swim School looks like today for me is a built-out facility and, and big pools. And you might say, oh, obviously this costs a million dollars, but that's not what we started. We started a rental agreement for $100 per day so we can rent a facility and try to grow a program. That's where it started. The business built itself. Right. Uh, it's kind of that same concept with Mathnasium. It's the businesses build themselves in my world. That's the way I could quantify it and it makes sense to me. Um, and that's just operations. That just comes down to learning the market, understanding the behavior, and then building around it. I am, and you know this as well as I do, anybody in business has to be willing to adjust and change. That's why I am not stuck on long-term goals. And if somebody asks me, where's this going to be in five years? The truth is, I'm not sure because I allow the businesses to go where they need to go. Um, you know, five years from now, I might be fully renting out the facility and not using it for swim lessons. I don't know, right? Or I might maximize and say, this is all we do and it's our 24 seven. I allow the business to kind of also have its its voice in it, right? So as it develops, I develop with it. I don't believe in not changing or being stuck in, you know, in one way of doing things. And, and that probably lessens the stress because you're not like constantly like driven to a goal or whatever. So um... correct. So I spent years in a corporate environment where performance management and key operation matrix and KPIs, I mean, I could reiterate those in my sleep. I mean, and in my world, in all honesty, you don't have a KPI. I mean, how do you not know where you're going? And But it was so driven. It almost became like we started to work for the system, not that the results were speaking. It was, how do I adjust the behavior to achieve the goal? <laughs> and I think that that's so backwards. Not that we don't have, you know, key performance indicators, not that I don't know what success looks like. Of course we do. But I also think that the business has to, you know, it's kind of like marketing. When people say, what do you spend your money on? What don't you? And I say, honestly, I'll spend my money on everything once and then I'll decide if it's worth a second round. So there's nothing that we would necessarily nix off the get. You have to allow, like I said, the business to tell you a little bit about what works. How do you actually market to families and what gets them? So then the third franchise was Pool Scouts. Yes. Which is a pool maintenance company. How did you decide to do that? You know, again, uh, just talking to parents and families, and I think a lot of people probably recognize this with the pandemic, a lot of people were spending a lot of time at homes, people that had in-ground pools. And actually, we adjusted our business to offer home swim lessons. And that boomed that year because we were not able to run in our facilities, but we could run in individual homes. One, I didn't realize how many people had pools in their homes. <laughs> and then secondly, it was the same request over and over. Who do we get to service our pool? There's nobody to service the pool. The companies that were available, a lot of them were mom and pop shops, one guy in a truck. And honestly, there's only so much capacity that they could take. And I just thought there must be a better way, a better system in place to kind of streamline this service. 
And that is, you know, through Buzz Brands, they have pool scouts. And I had kind of dipped my feet in it a little bit before I had looked into it. But then I thought, you know, I don't have an operator. I don't want to take that on. But then it made perfect sense. The more I understood the market, um, it was constantly a request. We even have our own pools that we couldn't find companies to maintain ourselves. So becoming the expert of need necessity is I learned how to do it. And my team learned how to do it. And then that business just seemed straightforward to me. It just, it made so much sense. I recognized the market and the need and what it needs is just the infrastructure and the rolling it out, which is something I know is, you know, my strong suit. That's what we do. Yeah. It's, it's just brilliant. Uh, the, the whole cross marketing part and, um, and, by the way, for the listeners, Buzz Brand is a parent company that operates four or five different brands under one umbrella, which gives you a whole bunch of marketing know-how. And, and the, the founder there um, is Kevin Wilson, yep. who is a great guy. Um, I've met him through my franchise rounds, going to conferences and stuff. So, so there's a great team behind all of this and multi-levels, multi-tiers of of you know experts in their different departments um so that's that's great kpi you hadn't said that term before i just want to clarify for oh. some people when i first started business i didn't know what a kpi was so <laughs> i know there's people that don't understand it's key performance indicators um so if whatever business you're in or whatever you're doing t- typically you want to know there's certain things that are happening because that's going to dictate what's going to happen a month from now or a year from now so it's KPI, key, key performance indicators, um, just to clarify. So is there, um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there a, but I will anyway. So <laughs> is, is there um, uh, something that happened in your business career that was sort of a negative, but you learned from it? <laughs> My first several years, and it continues. Uh, you know, I think... Actually, the biggest learning curve for me was when I first, remember, very corporate background, um, when I first bought my first franchise, I was like, great, so where's this information or where's that information? And then they were looking at me as cluelessly as I was looking at them. Well, we kind of have, you know, what they had was a great swim program, but then I'm standing, and not that they didn't have the material, but I think that we get comfortable in a corporate environment because it's years of built policies and practices and I was almost looking for my manual. I was looking for the, you know, British Swim School 101 guidebook. And the truth is there is no such thing. And now being an owner of multiple brands, no franchise has ever handed me the the book that I've been looking for. And I was, oh, wait, so you don't have, let's say, these HR policies. Well, no, we have guides on how to get you there, but we're not going to draft it for you. And I was like, or, you know, if I was looking for a specific type, you know, I need a logo, but it needs to be vertical and it needs to be like this. They go, well, we have guides on what we have, but that is a special artwork request, or you gotta, we gotta figure it out. So this almost, it was my own expectations that had to be adjusted. And it was almost, at first, I was kind of, you know, no, I need this, and I, and I need this now. There was almost like this false expectation that corporate was gonna somehow hand feed me everything, or they were just going to come out and, I, hey, I need to rent the pool. Could you guys just come and negotiate this deal for me? <laughs> um, and then there was that moment where I was like, wait a second, this is my business. And I cannot tell people, I know it seems so simple, 
but it wasn't until I accepted that I am 100% responsible for this business until I was able to fully take on 100% of the responsibilities for it. Mm. So I'm going to kind of re-say that because I feel like this is one lesson people don't recognize. You are only going, you're the only one responsible for when it doesn't work. I don't get to just point at corporate and say, oh, where was this guide? Or, you know, oh, I think the marketing strategy here doesn't work. Well, who are you looking at? The reality was once I understood that that person was me, I was the bottom line and that stops with me, it changed my entire way of doing business. It kind of became where I recognized that the franchise, the organization, though they're teaching you and they're supplying you with great details and great information, what you do with it, it's 100% on me. Or figuring out how to take that content and how to make it work in my community. Just because you say it works doesn't mean it works for me. Or when I was setting my pricing, though it's great to get some feedback, some of it comes down to, I know my market. I know what I'm willing to pay. So those kinds of, once I took full accountability for my own business, I think I continue to take accountability. I think I, I don't ever point the finger anywhere. You know, it's, it's kind of the same concept with staffing. When they mess up, I think, what could we do? What could we train that's better that doesn't create these gaps? So mm-hmm. I think the business owner, the one thing I had to learn was that I'm ultimately 100% responsible for everything that happens, the good and the bad. That's, uh, that's a great business lesson right there. You're right. People need to understand that. And in the world of franchising, the way you shared it. And what I, what I say, I just, uh, just to add to that, which is a phrase that maybe you heard us before. If, if you're the kind of person that joins a gym and thinks that you're going to get in shape just because you joined the gym, don't buy a franchise <laughs> because you need to show up and do the work. Absolutely. In, in your franchise, nobody, you're in business for yourself, not by yourself. You have the help, but you need to run the business. So Nora, what is the best piece of business advice that you've gotten? Even if you think back to your corporate days, um, what's the best piece of advice? You know, in the beginning, I was working hundreds of hours a week. In all honesty, I was like, man, corporate was at least 35 to 40 hours with weekends off, you know? Um, But then somebody says to me, well, you work 100 hours for yourself, so you don't work for somebody else. And I just thought, kind of true. That is exactly what I'm doing. I am creating flexibility. I can pick up my kids every day after school. I can be home when I need to be home. Now, I also work a lot and I, I adjust, but I bought myself flexibility. I've worked the corporate jobs. I've worked where you can't leave and you know I'm barely kissing my kids good morning and then I don't see them until I'm saying good night. So what I really bought myself was flexibility. So though you're working more and definitely it, it comes in phases. Um, the mental stress, I think, is definitely a lot more because you're ultimately responsible. I think it comes with beautiful flexibility. I think it also comes with, you know, um, untapped potential to increase your revenue. The more you hustle, you see a direct result to that. And I think that's, that's priceless to me. The one advice I don't like when people say business is not personal, <laughs> I think there is nothing more personal than my business. I mean, this is my 24 seven. So oh. when someone says, oh, it's not personal, I said, It absolutely is. Every customer experience, every employee experience, it's all personal. It is all something that we drive, we built, we we take on. That's why I think for me, when people say it's not personal, I'm like, of course it is. This is what we're doing. You know, so well said, but 
it's coming from that nurturing mom perspective. You're a mom, and and um, I'm not sure how many children you have, but this is your extra child or extra three children since you have three franchises. But that's it's your baby, right? To put it in in those terms. Yes, and I have three kids, so it lines up quite well. <laughs> okay, there you go. One yeah. business for each kid, so at least you got future workers <laughs> coming your way too, and future managers. Um, and and it's it's great. And you said something that's so key there that people don't get. Um, yeah, you're working really hard. It's your baby, so it doesn't really even feel like work. But you're what you did. They always say that time is the most valuable thing in life, and you can't buy it. But in a business, you can. You just learned how to buy time. That's that's like the big takeaway from this podcast. You buy time if you run your franchise or any business, franchised or not. If you run it well, you're buying time, and that's absolutely. Yeah. And I love the that it's the energy that you bring. Not even like even when you're with your own kids, and <laughs> it's the energy. It's that when I'm there, I'm going to be fully there, and I'm going to you know bring the right energy, even if it's for ten minutes because I got to run out. Um, you know, a, a little advice that maybe some of your parents would really value is I used to have the same thing everybody does, right? A little guilt, I'm running off to work, I'm running here, I, especially in that beginning stages of trying to build something. But then I realized, I absolutely love what I do. I love showing my kids that this is how you build something. I love the message it sent. I love telling my kids, yeah, I go to work, you got to work hard. This is how you get things in life. I love what I was teaching them so much more than that little tedious of guilt of, oh, I wasn't there to drop them off or those little things that I think we focus on. I think we're focusing on the wrong things. I, I love what me being an entrepreneur does for me and then what it brings for my family. And I think that's really important. Mm. Thank you so much for that. And, and that's so important. Um, the whole the family life and getting involved with the right franchise that it has that culture built around it the way the brands do that, that you're involved in. I know for a fact um, that, that they're very family focused and family friendly, I guess is one another way to say it mm -hmm. for Nora, for those people listening in and they're, they might be on the kind of on the fence. Should I buy a franchise? Should I just stick with my job? Do you have any advice for them? You know, I, have absolutely the most admiration. I know it takes courage to, to start a, any business, uh, forget franchise, non-franchise. I think the very first thing, if you feel really strongly that you know where what you bring to the table, it's not even a question for me. Now, what is a question, right? There is, how do I do this? Should I keep my job? Should this be a side hustle? And if it's a side hustle, that's okay. That's a great starting point. Maybe this is something you can do at night. Maybe this is something you do in the mornings because you work at night. There, what's beautiful is there is no right and wrong answer. And in the world of franchising, every opportunity is there. There is franchises that will literally say, we've built this and designed this for you not to be physically standing there to run it, right? So that is a model. Now you're probably going to pay a little bit more to not be the person standing there and running it, but that's okay. Maybe your finances allow you to do that and not have to take the risk of leaving a secure position to pursue this. That is absolutely okay. Um, or maybe you're like, you know what? I'm ready to roll up my sleeves. Do you have your savings? Have you figured out kind of your financial situation? 
there is no right and wrong answer, but it's definitely an individual question for you to ask yourself and be honest with yourself. There is no business that you're just going to wake up open tomorrow and then it made a million dollars and we're great. And that was a great investment. You know, our first year in business, I didn't take any money out of the business. I had to be financially stable in order to do that. After six months of opening, I was one of the top performers. And you know what I did? High five my husband. I said, yay, that's great. We figured it out. This is after six months of business. Well, what happened with winter hit? We lost half our volume because it turns out the business has seasonality. <laughs> I had to experience that. So the reality is that there is risk, even in what you think is working or working really well. There's always going to be that growth period. But I can 100% say I've never regretted going into business for myself. I've never thought, I don't think you regret what you do. I think you regret not doing it. And I really try to live by that. Yes. If you feel that desire, you have that drive. Like that is exactly the hustle. That's the grit. That is, that's there. Then you need to figure out how to get yourself there, right? So ask yourself those personal questions. What can I afford? What do I want to do? And then Yes, somebody, and, and you know this as much as I do, Tom, is meet with somebody. Resources are great and resources are free. I always say, I don't, I don't pay for content. You pay for somebody to pull it together, <laughs> but content is free. I worked with a franchise consultant and that didn't cost me anything. That was somebody on the phone who sat down, said, tell me everything about yourself. And they guided me and they said, here's some great ideas and right. was able to go where I needed to go. So the resources are definitely there even if you start to just explore. Yeah, I've been guiding people through it for 17 years now as a yeah. franchise consultant. And it's, and it's, and I used a consultant myself to find my first business and it was a huge success. My second business, I didn't use a consultant and it flopped because I didn't, I, I thought I knew what I was doing to pick a business and I didn't at the time. Mm -hmm. so I, now I take those skills and help people not make the mistakes I made. <laughs> For those reasons but th this is great um the you have so much just so much um insight and advice it's just so great having you on the show is there anything else that you would add um to to help anybody out there that is thinking about it or any other story to share you know i think when you look at it as a big picture i think it feels intimidating and i think that there's a hundred places you can kind of spiral down. Oh, what if this, what about that? I think the truth is you just have to take one step. That's all it is. It's just one step at a time. Even the way if somebody would have told me five years ago, your business would be here. I couldn't have foreseen that. I knew we were hustling, but the truth is all I did was get up and did a few steps every single day. And without realizing that that's what we were building. So the reality is, even when you're hesitant about starting a business, you know, I, I sit around with people all the time. Everybody I know wants a business and they talk about businesses and they think they, you know, they're always judging other people's businesses, which is something I never do now. <laughs> They'll walk yes. in, the, they should be doing this better. And I'm like, oh, you don't know. <laughs> what if they're short staffed? You know, I always want to defend it. Um, but the truth is, it's just one step. And I think most people are even the one step seems scary, but that's all it is. It's just one step in the right direction. Hey, tomorrow, I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to find a franchise consultant. I'm going to book a meeting. That's the next step, right? Just every day. And in a few months without realizing it or with realizing it, 
you could be opening a business, you could be going off to a training and you could be doing something that you absolutely have maybe been putting off. I love the franchise models in general, um, just because I think that they're proven models. And I think that there's so many ways to look at it. And there's so many different types of franchises out there. I mean, I've picked a certain ones that kind of speak to me, um, but I know other people that absolutely love something. Uh, so I, I love that. I love the opportunities that franchising gives you. And I love the brands that you get to stand behind. And when in doubt, just think, what would I, what would I like to see in my community? What do I think is missing here? What is it that you're driving out <laughs> so far for that you right. think that great potential in your area? So yeah. one Good. step at a time, that is the one rule. And I follow that till today. Um, there's moments where I'm overwhelmed with so much going on. And I just say, nope, what's in front of me right now? What's the one thing I could do? Um, and I think that's just probably the best advice just to kind of keep moving forward. That is brilliant, Nora. I appreciate your time. This has just been awesome. One of my favorite podcasts. This is so great. <laughs> Thank you so much. And we need to uh, talk again um, in the future and, and do more follow-up on this. So again, thank you so much and God bless you and everything that you do. A hundred percent. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to your audience for taking the time. Ah, thank you. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.